Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. Hey, Cardio Nerds family, this is Amit. On behalf of all of us at Cardio Nerds, we are thrilled to bring to you our Decipher the Guideline series for the 2022 AHA ACC HFSA Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. Get ready for short and bite sized, high impact clinical vignette based questions designed to highlight core concepts based on cutting edge evidence that are relevant to your practice. The cases we use are hypothetical and created for educational purposes only. This series was developed by the Cardio Nerds and created in collaboration with the American Heart Association and the Heart Failure Society of America. It was created by 30 trainees spanning college student through advanced fellows with mentorship from Dr. Anu Lala, Dr. Robert Menz, and Dr. Nancy Schweitzer. We thank Dr. Judy Bazanson and Dr. Elliot Antman for their guidance along the way. So friends, join us as we get to learn about the heart failure guidelines and beyond from 16 leading faculty experts. And now, let's get nerdy. The following question refers to section 8.5 of the 2022 AHA, ACC, HFSA guideline for the management of heart failure. The question is asked by Western Michigan University medical student and cardioneurge intern, Shivani Reddy. Answered first by University of Southern California cardiology fellow and cardioneurge spit trialist, Dr. Mike Franke, and then by expert faculty, Dr. Shashank Sinha. Dr. Sinha is an assistant professor of medical education at the University of Virginia School of Medicine and an advanced heart failure MCS and transplant cardiologist at Inova Fairfax Medical Campus. He currently serves as both the Director of Cardiac Intensive Care Unit and Cardiovascular Critical Care Research Program at Inova Fairfax. He is also a steering committee member for the Multicenter Cardiogenic Shock Working Group and Critical Care Cardiology Trials Network and an associate editor for the Journal of Cardiac Failure, the official journal of the Heart Failure Society of America. Dr. Sinha, welcome back to Cardio Nerds. Shivani, do you have a question for us? Yeah, so here's today's question for all our cardio nerds. Today we have Ms. VT, who's a 55-year-old woman with a history of cardiac sarcoidosis, heart failure with mildly reduced ejection fraction with an EF of 40%, and ventricular tachycardia with CRTT, who presents with recurrent VT. She has undergone several attempts at catheter ablation of VT in the past and previously had been trialed on amiodarone which is discontinued due to hepatotoxicity. She now continues to have episodic VT requiring anti-tachycardia pacing and ICD shocks despite medical therapy with mexilatine, metoprolol, and sotolol. Her most recent PET scan showed no active areas of inflammation, and currently, her vital signs are stable and labs are unremarkable. What is the best next step for this patient? A. Evaluation for heart transplant. B. Evaluation for LVAD, C. Dobutamine, D. Prednisone, or E. None of the above. Mike, could you help us out with this question? Thanks, Giovanni. The correct answer to this question is A. Evaluate for heart transplant. For selected patients with advanced heart failure despite goal directed medical therapy, cardiac transplantation is indicated to improve survival and quality of life, and that's a class one indication. It's also important to note that heart transplant in this context provides intermediate economic value. Clinical indicators include refractory or recurrent ventricular arrhythmias with frequent ICP shocks. Patient selection for heart transplant includes assessment of comorbidities, 
goals of care, and various other factors. The United Network of Organ Sharing Heart Transplant Allocation Policy was revised in 2018 with a six-tiered system to better prioritize more unstable patients and minimize weightless mortality. VT puts this patient as a status two on the transplant list. There was a contemporary analysis of patients with end-stage cardiomyopathy due to cardiac sarcoidosis published in the Journal of Cardiac Failure in 2018 that demonstrated similar one-year and five-year survivals after heart transplant between patients with and without sarcoidosis. In terms of the incorrect answers, choice B, evaluation for LVAD, is incorrect. While bridging to transplant with LVAD is definitely a potential next step in patients with cardiac sarcoidosis, it is not recommended in patients presenting primarily with refractory ventricular arrhythmias due to granuloma-induced scarring. In this situation, patients benefit from a direct heart transplant rather than bridge to transplant LVAD approach. The same study, described before in the Journal of Cardiac Failure, also showed similar one-year and five-year survivals after bridge to transplant mechanical circulatory support between patients with and without sarcoidosis. Since cardiac sarcoidosis is not just limited to the left ventricle, patients being considered for LVAD need hemodynamic assessment to determine risk of post-LVAD RV failure. Choice C, dobutamine, is incorrect in this patient as well. The patient is currently not decompensated in terms of contractility, nor is showing signs of cardiogenic shock. Further, dobutamine may worsen arrhythmia burden. Choice D, prednisone, is incorrect as there is no sign of active inflammation on the patient's PET scan. Recurrent ventricular arrhythmias are being driven by granuloma-induced scar. In terms of the main takeaway for this patient, cardiac transplantation has a class 1 indication for eligible patients with advanced heart failure despite guideline-directed medical therapy to improve survival and quality of life. Specifically in patients with cardiac sarcoidosis and refractory ventricular arrhythmias, direct heart transplant is the next best step rather than bridge the transplant approach. Dr. Sinha, in addition to adding any thoughts you have about the patient presented in this question, we were hoping you could touch on how the 2018 revised UNO system has affected transplant eligibility, as well as the use of orthotopic heart transplant versus LVAD in given patients with advanced heart failure. Well, thanks for that elegant summary there, Mike. So many things to unpack and explore here. I think first to embellish on this specific patient in cardiac sarcoid, Absolutely. Patients with cardiac sarcoid should be considered for transplant. In addition to the paper you mentioned here from our journal at the Journal of Cardiac Failure, there was a recent publication led by doctors Jackson and colleagues from Northwestern published in the Journal of Heart-Lung Transplant looking at outcomes in cardiac sarcoidosis from the United Network for Organ Sharing Registry. And from, you know, 1987 to 2019, believe it or not, there were 227 patients with cardiac sarcoidosis who underwent orthotopic heart transplant. These patients were younger, had, you know, received transplants at more urgent status listing. But after sort of multivariable risk adjustment, there really was no difference in survival or graft failure between patients who had cardiac sarcoid and those who didn't. In fact, those who had cardiac sarcoid had lower odds of rejection and had similar odds of hospitalization for infection and post-transplant malignancy. So the summary here is that heart transplant is definitely a very viable option for the appropriate patient with cardiac sarcoidosis. The second comment I'd make here is specifically regarding how the 2018 allocation system has really affected both temporary mechanical support use as well as the patient population being considered for heart transplantation. 
With respect to the former, we clearly have seen a significant increase in temporary MCS use. There have been a number of observational studies that have suggested this, anywhere from a 10 to a 40% increase seen in the year after implementation of the UNOS allocation change in October of 2018. And partly this has been because of the recognition of heart failure shock as a very common clinical entity amongst advanced heart failure practitioners and using a variety of temporary mechanical support strategies to bridge these patients to transplantation. The second comment I would make regarding this is as a consequence of this, because the primary function of this UNOS allocation system is really to increase the number of organs that are recovered and the number of transplants that are performed and to ensure, most importantly, that patients all across the nation have equitable access to transplants. Recovery is not necessarily a pre-specified aim of UNOS transplant listing, and that may actually hinder chances of myocardial recovery in select candidates. Now, it's not clear that this patient necessarily would have had recovery, but it is important to recognize that there is a sort of a paucity of data. And perhaps some of this is due to the lack of linkage between a variety of data sources from Intermax examining patients with left ventricular assist devices, UNOS with heart transplantation and other claims-based administrative databases such as Medicare or other private insurers to examine sort of a comparison of management strategies either durable mechanical support, transplant, or recovery across similar heart failure populations. And I think the future clearly signals that we need to engage in more collaborative research endeavors to help establish what the appropriate strategy should be for these patients. But clearly younger patients that may have some favorable characteristics, shorter duration of their cardiomyopathy, non-ischemic in etiology, they may have some favorable characteristics where, you know, recovery may be an important consideration and perhaps durable left ventricular assist device placement may actually behoove the patient as compared to transplantation, let's say at age 25 or 30, you know, guaranteeing almost the need for retransplantation at some point during their life course. Thank you so much, Dr. Sinha. It's great to hear your thoughts on a complex patient and obviously a complex decision involved in considering patients for advanced heart failure therapies. Mike, Dr. Sinha, thank you both for this incredible teaching on the utility of cardiac transplantation and the management of advanced heart failure in patients like Ms. VT. Mm-hmm.